FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 90 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked? 90 snicked? Yep, that's, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't think of anything on the fly. You really don't have to. <laughs> I'd like to think that somewhere out in the podcast world, somebody thoroughly enjoys oh, only my... listens to your intro. Yes, they're like, oh, I'm done. That's it. That's it. We don't need to listen to the other. She said the number and snicked and then stopped and acted like she had something else. That's right. (laughs) Just like every episode. (laughs) I really should. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So uh, we're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. Hey. And we're here to talk about Wolverine, May 2014, Part Two. So we'll cover all the Wolverine comics except for one. Uh oh. Yep, we will not be covering dupe number whatever that Wolverine is in because I didn't buy it. Not going to. Well, yeah, because it's dupe. It's dupe. But other than that, we will cover all the Wolverine appearances for the second half of the month. So let's get to it. And if anyone read dupe, they can just critique it. Yeah, you can, someone can send in an email or a tweet. Yeah. It talks about what a big pile of dupe it was. <laughs> <laughs> Or defend it. I don't care. Whatever. I would love to read that defending email. We will honor all perspectives. So if you want to write in about dupe, I'll I'll probably talk about it next episode. But I myself am not reading it. Not going to waste my money on it. If someone wants to send me free codes, I'll read them and talk about them. I'm not paying for a jack. All right. Here we go. And, of course, up first, we have Wolverine number seven. This is uh, now coming out every other week. So Paul Cornell can get his story done in time for the spoiler. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Can I say? Can I say? Nope. <sighs> there might be one person that doesn't know. Living under an anti-anim... Oh. A- Anti-am? Anti-am! Anti-am! The tornado! The tornado! Living Adam under a Antium? rock. Yeah. Living under one of those. Yep. Maybe. You never know. Anyway, this is The Magipor Job Part 2, written by Paul Cornell Art by Gerardo Sandoval, colors by David Curiel, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, Woo-hoo. and the cover is by Ryan Stegman and Edgar Delgado. And this is one of my favorite covers of the year so far. We basically have Stegman's unique style, and we have Patch standing over modern Wolverine, and he's full of arrows, and his bow tie is undone, and he's got his claws out. And the newest version of Wolverine is on the ground, beat up. This is Wolverine meets The Hangover. That was my first thought. Sure. Anyway, I love this How'd cover. How'd I get all these arrows in me? <laughs> Check your phone. In fact, we've kind of had a slow year cover-wise. Yeah. Gotta say, there's been a lot of good covers, but not like, I'm not worthy covers. No. But I'm gonna... I'm gonna um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to nominate this as our first possible nomination for the Wolvie for Best Cover. Okay. I'm down. I mean, we'll see what else we get, but it's probably... It's just a nomination. Yes, just a nomination. Anyway, I really, really enjoy this cover quite a bit. All right, so remember Wolverine's a Magipore with his ragtag team of misfits uh, trying to get the device that Sabretooth wants that'll turn him into a god. Ooh. And, um... 
Wolverine has found Sabretooth, and all he has to do is sing a Celine Dion solo, and the British are coming to rescue him. And beat on his chest, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant by Celine Dion. Oh, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> but he doesn't know if he's going to do it. So we start off with Sabretooth holding a glowing crystal ball. I actually like this panel. I just don't like Sabretooth's face or hair. And yeah, yes, I'm going not, to bitch about the hair. <laughs> I know you are. You don't like Street Fighter hair? No. It's not the best panel, in my opinion. Um, Sabretooth looks it's kind of like Count Dracula with his eyebrows. No, he looks like business clip art that you'd find on a bad like print shop deluxe CD. Maybe. So anyway, Wolverine is watching him from around the alley. And he knows what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't know if he can. Then a crazy monkey grabs the orb. Named Jack. Sure. Yeah, from Pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> and so a bunch of monkeys run off and teleport away, and Sabretooth is mad. <laughs> and he's going to chase down the monkeys. He has the hand pursuing. Wolverine pursues Sabretooth and gets shot full of arrows and throwing stars. Ow. Yeah. He falls down and is bleeding. He thinks to Usain crawls out of her fat suit. And um, basically, she I guess she has the power to heal. Yeah, but I think it's also poignant that we, we point out Wolverine is, I guess, talking to himself. Internal dialogue. And he realizes the arrows have poison. And he goes, oh, God, I messed it all up. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Again, still, I'm never going no, to get home, he. too. He's never going to get home, too. Who's he? Wolverine. So who is he trying to get home to? Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, Pinch sees him getting healed. And she shows up and is like, who is that? And Wolverine completely blows her off. Says he ran into Sabretooth. That it was his monkey. The rest of the gang shows Blame it up. Even on the monkey. Yep. The rest of the gang shows up. And Pinch now is, um, she kind of knows what's going on. But she's in denial about it. She's like, lie to me, baby. Lie to me. Right. Say it's okay. Her silhouette looks like Tomb Raider. Yes. Anyway, Lost Boy knocks down the wall, and they see the crazy monkeys. Wolverine grabs it. So anyway, the ball, (laughs) the magic ball starts talking. Is it the eyeball? No, it's it's the magic ball. When you rub it, it speaks to you. I am the genie of the eyeball. And it pulls things out, including all these alternate versions of Wolverine, including one that's like Samurai Jack. Is that his name? Or Afro Samurai. Oh, back here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we got a guy who's a ninja without real claws. He's got claws he holds. We have a old samurai, like Greek guy. We have a, a Nazi Wolverine. I was going to say. And then we have um, running Wolverine. He's got a ponytail. Yeah. This is a pretty cool panel. This uh, Sandoval got to stretch his Wolverine muscles a little bit. So Wolverine just starts shooting people. And Pinch is like, Lost Boy says, we got to help him. And Pinch says, do we? He says, part of me wants him to die. But part of me wants him to live so we can try to explain all this. And that was interesting that this ball knows everything about Wolverine, but it calls him James Logan instead of James Howlett. He says, in this reality, Avenger, X-Men, hero, locating, complete opposite. And what do we get but the current Wolverine? It's his opposite. And Pinch is like, hmm, I've been sweeping with a lie. I don't get this. If it's his opposite. Yeah. So basically, this Wolverine that's on their team, that's a criminal, that's turning over a new leaf, trying to find himself, 
you know, basically he's the opposite of who Wolverine really is. So the Wolverine that they all know is not true. What? I'm sorry. I didn't follow that. If it's the opposite of the guy, then how does she know that he's lying? Because if he turned over a new leaf... Because she knows that Wolverine is still... If this is the opposite, then Wolverine is still all the things the ball said. An Avenger, an X-Man, a hero. The ball, the orb, is telling the truth. And she's believing it. So she's saying, basically, the Wolverine I know that turned his back on being a hero, on being an X-Man, like, he's still that guy. Um, Wolverine pops his claws nice and bloody with an ARG. I guess we should be calling him Patch. Anyway... I really like the panel of modern Wolver or newest Wolverine busting through the rubble or rubbish. And I like the panel of Patch popping his claws. And I like the panel of them going at each other. Yeah, I like that too. I thought the art was all really good there. And Pinch says she needs to get the spear. And uh, the, the most current Wolverine goes after uh, Lost Boy, but Pinch stops it. She basically makes all the other Wolverines disappear except for the real one. So she calls Wolverine out, and um, basically he says, all right, busted. But I was hoping, you know, at the end, y'all would come around. I was going to try to get y'all out. And she punches him and knocks him down, actually, which that would have hurt her fist pretty bad. Just saying. Yeah. I'm glad she punched him instead of slapped him. Yeah, I don't like when girls do the girly yeah. slap thing. So, But at the same time, his jaw is still adamantium. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't have hurt. And he's got a weird frown in this whole book. Like, it's over-exaggerated. Yeah, well, this guy exaggerated. He's kind of anime style in his facial expressions. So, Pinch says, all right, we got the ball. We control it. Which Wolverine do we want to to stay? And a lost boy kind of takes pity and says, I think think he deserves to be exactly who he is. Wolverine's like, give me the ball. And she's like, nope. And he pulls a gun on her, which I thought was pretty hardcore. And she basically walks up to the gun and says, do it. All the gang's like, all right, well... What are we going to do? And Lost Boy takes him away, and the hand shows up, and Captain Britain comes and saves Wolverine. And he's like, where's the spear? And he's like, I lost it. And he gets real sad-faced, says, I lost it all. Aww. He lost his new friends, his teammate, his new girlfriend. Then Lost Boy's knocked down by one of the Madripoor barriers, and they land with the hand, and there's Sabretooth. And uh, basically he says, um... Give me the spear. And Pinch is like, no, I know how to control it. You can't. It ran away from you, remember? And uh, Sabretooth says, girl, you clearly don't know me. I don't accept other people putting limitations on my freedom. Let's see. I pick you. And he takes fuel and uh, basically bites his throat out. Gross. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Like the scene in Walking Dead where Rick That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. He goes, uh, every now and then I think I should get a new work name. You know, why do I advertise my teeth? And then he rips the guy's throat out. He says, but then I remember. And he's wiping the blood off his mouth with a little kerchief or handkerchief. And Pinch and Lost Boy are obviously freaked out. And why wouldn't they be? This guy just ate another man's throat. And she tells him about the offer. And Sabretooth says, oh, I know what he has. I want the spear and Logan. This time I finish him. But you see, think about your boss. I have my own bargaining chip. And he holds up an iPhone and he says, your daughter. And it's Pinch's daughter, which I was kind of surprised by that little twist. Yeah, I was too. But it doesn't, while I was shocked, it didn't completely surprise me. No, I mean, it wasn't like shocking, but I was surprised. It was a nice twist. Yeah. All right. So what do you think of the art? 
I know, not your favorite. Overall, I I enjoyed most of it quite a bit. Okay, so I don't like the hair, and I don't like certain features that are over-exaggerated. But other than that, I did think the art was good. I thought it had a nice flow of action. I really enjoyed the art, and I really enjoyed the story. What did you think of the story? I thought the story was, it's good because I think it's adding this extra level of conflict, like Wolverine's losing something else that he loves because he obviously, I guess feels for pinch right at least feels something right and he wanted to pull them out of it which means he has some sort of feelings for the rest of the group as well right well i think everywhere wolverine goes if you're not his enemy then he kind of assumes you under his wing a little bit right like he's kind of that mama bear with everybody he works with yeah and so i think he just assumed that when this was all said and done he'd take them with him yeah he'd find these kids a new life or let them be x-men or whatever you know like Right. And obviously that doesn't look like it's going to happen. No. So. Considering one of them just died. No, I thought the it was a nice amount of action, uh, nice character stuff between Wolverine and Pinch. Yeah, I feel like the story has, like the consequences to the story feel real. Yes. I, I really feel like the last three or so issues have really paid off on Cornell's overarching story. Yeah, it really made the whole thing really, other than the microverse. Oh, the microverse. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to grade Wolverine number seven. I'll give it five out of six. Okay, I'm also going to give it five out of six. It's a pretty strong five, pretty borderline. So, all right, cool. Let's move on. Okay, and next up, we have Savage Wolverine number 19. Savage! That's right. A Shining Blade of Memory. Written by Gal Simone. Penciled by Neil Edwards. Inked by Terry Pallott. Or Pallott. Or Polo, whatever it is. Chris Sotomayor does the colors. VC's Corey Pettit Woo-hoo. does the letters. And the cover is by Shane Davis and Maury Hollowell. Now let's talk about this cover. Let's do. What do you think of it? I love this cover. I think he's missing a few veins. <laughs> okay. He's got like one big bulging vein and then nothing on his forearms. Well, there should know, at it's least probably be on a the bulging. Inside. No, it should be on the inside, right? Oh, look at my hand. That's on the outside. And look, it goes right here on the top. Okay. I don't know. I just think it's weird. Okay. I would have preferred no bulging vein or at well, least a too. few more. Yeah, I can do without the veins. But I think the pose is really nice. I like his face and his cowl. It looks like he's taking a dump. No, he doesn't. You say that every time anybody opens their mouth. Wolverine, have you had your fiber today? Oh, anyway, I love this cover. No, it is a cool cover. I do like how, um, although, you know what? For a change, I like the digital version better than the paper version. You like the brightness? Yeah, I think it it eludes more of that um, point of light perspective. All right, cool. What happens in this issue? We find Wolverine in the freezing cold trying to find his way home. Cuts up some firewood and then he's telepathically being talked to. Logan, come home. Come home to me. Protect the girl. I do want to point out we get a skint, and Logan comments that it doesn't sound right, but I don't think he listens anymore. But Ray, if you're still listening, and you know who you are, Ray, you always argued that this was the way the sound should be. Skink? Skint. No. Yeah. He always argued that, like, he used to not believe me that it was snicked. He would argue that it actually was skint, and then when I proved him wrong, he's like, well, it should be skint. <laughs> so now this time, now Ray, if you're listening... And this one time, it's skint. But then, of course, they say, that doesn't sound right. I did not catch that. 
So Wolverine has a girl waiting for him. Oh, it's Jean Grey. Uh-oh. And then he realizes something's not then right. Then Jean Grey turns into Professor X. With boobs. Yeah. This is freaky. Understandably, he pops his claws because it really turns them on. Right. Basically, Professor says, you have to protect the girl. Right. And he runs after these guys and he starts beating them up yeah. only to take off their helmet and realize it's also Xavier. Yeah. And then he says, remember where you are, Logan? Look up. And he's like, yeah, it's the Aurora Borealis. I really like that panel. And we have like Wolverine's like silhouette and all dark blue and then the northern lights behind him. It looks really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. And then Logan realizes... He's naked. Like a booty rat. Yep, naked booty rat Wolverine. Although I do love how he's got one leg pulled up in the shadows just right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And my question is, if they're doing experiments, why does he have to be naked? Are they doing those kind of experiments? Yeah, well, they want to see if he gets hard or not. Why? That's important. For who? For medicine. For, for medicine. <laughs> is that the new Viagra? Yes, that's all this is. Anyway, then we go back to 24 hours ago. Logan's leaving. Jubilee's like, don't leave without me. Yeah, she says, she's a misfit. I just want to help you. I want to belong. And so um, Wolverine realizes where he is. Yeah, Professor X is feeding him info. They're at an AIM lab, basically. Then we get a double snicked. We get the, I don't know how you got out of these uh, chains because they're nowhere near your claws. Yes, you, know, you snicked and you flick your wrist and slice yourself free. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, we won't go over the physics that makes that physically impossible. Well, his hands, his wrists are also all cut up. I think he just pulled his hand through. And he says it only works if you have a particular attachment to your hand staying intact. Oh, my goodness. I flaw. Anyway, Wolverine escapes, punches a bunch of people. Yeah, fights naked. Fights naked. Yeah. Leaves it swinging. Yeah, so we find out this drug is called Rainbow. Right, and it's a euphoric drug. Yeah, so it gives you... I don't really understand what they're testing the drug for. Basically, the drug, it says, makes you your own prisoner. So is it supposed to be like a weapon? Maybe it's a way to control mutants. Maybe. They lock them up, give them this drug, and they're just so happy they don't ever plan on escaping. Yeah. So anyway, Jubilee's in her own little world, and you find out that this drug basically makes you so happy you don't ever want to leave your mind. So her happy place is being the hero-esque Wolverine. Well, she's the leader of the X-Men. Right. All the other X-Men are kids. Wolverine. I'm sorry, that's Toad. That's not another X Men. No, that's Wolverine. So it's just Wolverine. It's not like they're they're just it's just a two two man team. So we have a little tiny Wolverine who follows Jubilee around. And Jubilee, of course, has a little bit bigger chest and you know, she's ten <laughs> feet taller than Wolverine. Yes. Okay. What what does that say about body image? Yeah. From a very feminist writer. That's very strange. Wolverine wakes her up, but unfortunately, when he wakes her up, she does not realize that she's been woken up. Yep, she's still in dreamland. So she She's is... still somewhere over the rainbow. Yes. Boom, boom, yep. Anyway, she thinks she's calling people bub. She's taking control. Yeah, she's Wolverine. And Wolverine gets a message from Xavier that says, hey, she could die. Because uh, she's not really awake right now. So Wolverine kind of runs behind her like, tee-hee-hee, I'm going to... Uh, I'll be your sidekick. Yeah, I'll just do all the ass-kicking. You do what yeah. you need. She wakes up and realizes after Wolverine gets blasted that she was still dreaming. Um, and then she still, she still saves the day. So she still yeah. is the hero. She lets out a blast awesome of light. panel. 
That is cool. Yeah, it's basically Jubilee showing that she's just a cooler version of Dazzler, which she <laughs> always has been. But yeah, man, that panel looks great. The color work on that is really good. Well, and I like the panel above it where she's getting ready to do yes, it. Yes, yeah, she's charging up. So they leave there. She collapses from all the fireworks she let out. Wolverine carries her out and Everybody tells her, says. you're awesome because you make fire in the sky. Smoke on the water. Fire in the sky. This pump, everybody. Okay. All right. So. 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 Gail Simone writing a Wolverine story. Gail Simone, usually DC exclusive Gail Simone. Ooh. Fresh out of her exclusivity. Ooh. Um, she's also doing some stuff. At, I think the Red Sonia stuff's a Dynamite. And she's doing a new Tomb Raider book for another company. That might be Dynamite too, actually. I don't remember. No, I think Tomb Raider's IDW. Anyway, I've enjoyed her stuff at DC on uh, Birds of Prey. And of course, her Batgirl has been really good for... Well, since it started, pretty much, with the new 52. So I was kind of curious what would happen. I don't know if this is like the tip of the Marvel iceberg for her, or if it's just a one and done. I'd be interested to see what she could do on maybe an X-Men book. I will say, this story and kind of this series, seems like this has kind of become the throwaway Wolverine series. Yeah, I'm feeling like, hey, this isn't good enough for an actual... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> an actual book, so we'll just shove it in here and call it Savage. I mean, they're still technically sticking to their mission statement for the book. What's the mission uh, statement? Of having top creators come in and do story arcs, or lately, I guess, stories, you know, that aren't constrained by continuity, because this story is obviously kind of a flashback. Right. Back when Wolverine and Jubilee were, were first starting to hang out. I will say it, it's not bad. It's a, it's a decent little story. No, but where's the savageness in Wolverine? Well, he says something about being savage. The guys go, I thought he'd be more savage. He's like a little kitten. Meow. Like, there's some good one-liners. Um, I don't remember what they are. <laughs> but they're in there. I, don't know, I thought the writing and the conversation was good. I guess my point, what do you think of the art? I thought the art overall was okay. I thought it was really good until the part where Wolverine wakes up. And I felt like it was kind of up and down after that. Well, I will say this this one page where he breaks free and it's the red and he's green. I'm not a big fan of the color choices because he looks like the Hulk. I think he looks more yellow. On mine, he's more green. Oh, okay. So. I think it's a well-drawn panel. I can't. No, I think that the inks on it are... I like, I like little junior Wolverine. Like, I think there's bright spots, but I think the art in the second half of the book is not as consistently good as the first half. Yeah. That's my opinion. I think it's kind of hit or miss throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess my overall summary is that for a throwaway issue, it's a decent enough throwaway issue. Yeah. But it's still kind of... I guess I was kind of hoping that Gail Simone being the caliber of writer that she is would come in doing a one and done would still make it not feel throwaway. It definitely felt like a toss off. Yeah, I kind of wondered about halfway through it, it was like, ooh, where's this going? Oh, nowhere. I like the reflection of the interaction between Wolverine and Jubilee. That part was really cool. I will admit, I do like the idea of Rainbow, but I wish they would have explained why it was... I was content with the the depth of the Rainbow. (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to know if there was a unicorn attached. Oh, probably. Don't rainbows come out of their butts? <laughs> yep. Okay. 
All right, so Savage Wolverine 19. When are you going to grade it? Uh, I'm going to give it three out of six. Oh, we're the same. I will Aww. also give it three out of six claws. Next up, we have And the X-Men. Wolverine and the X-Men number four. Written by Jason Wintour. Art by Mahmoud Azrar. Colors by Israel Silva. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And Azrar and Gracia did the cover. On the cover, we have Cyclops with his hand on Clinton Choir's shoulder as he's doing Mr. Burns' hands. I love this cover. I actually like it quite a bit myself. Although, so surprisingly... I like the digital version versus the floppy version. That's two in a row. Oh, well, maybe two in a row, depending on whether they stay in How order How they get or not. edited? <laughs> yeah. Two for this particular podcast. Yeah, probably two in a row. I don't know. There's something on the floppy. It's more of a monochromatic kind of red scheme. And yeah. while this is still red because it's got pink in it, the pink is much more... Um, oh, see, I like... I like mine more dull, better. Oh, I think all I kind of reddish. Think I like it because I think it makes Squire stand out. I agree. A little it does. bit more. I think it's a pretty, pretty neat cover. All right, so remember. Excellent. The, <laughs> excellent. Remember, the Phoenix Corporation is trying to convince Quentin Squire he needs to embrace the Phoenix now and kill Evan now before he turns into Apocalypse. Excellent. Excellent. All right, so we start off, remember a uh, choir escaped from the Phoenix Corporation and was wandering through the wilderness. And we had an idea he might show up here. And here is uh, the Xavier School of Mutants run by Cyclops. Quentin Choir's taking everybody out. And we get a telepathic snicked, which I thought was pretty cool. That is cool. And this panel of a uh, choir attacking young Cyclops Awesome. And the optic blast going around the telepathic claws. Very reminiscent of when Wolverine and Cyclops older would go after it. It's a really cool panel. I also like uh, the telepathic claws almost seem like talons. Like they're not blades. They're not completely smooth. They're, they're, no. They crackle with psionic energy. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's awesome. I like it too. I like how he puts his claws right through uh, Cyclops' head, which of course wouldn't kill him. That would knock him out. Oh, a little yeah. bit of a lobotomy, maybe. Well, and I like how he goes up to, what is that kid's name? Gold balls. He's pooping out balls. He gets excited and he poops the gold ball. Yeah. Yeah, that's just weird. I do like, we talk about choir shirts. We have a play on the Snickers ad where it says, Snickers satisfies, satisfies you. you. That was a pretty cool, pretty cool shirt. That is. So then we get a double snick as young Jean and X-23 run out. I love and his choir- comment. <laughs> yes, I do too. Choir Jean says, Gray and the sexy girl Wolverine? <laughs> He goes, I'm so turned on right now, it disgusts me. And then X-23 goes, and Bub and stuff. <laughs> Not that was stuff. funny. Then Quentin Choir gives her telepathic roses and a card that says, Just be claws, I love you. And there's a kitty cat meow. Yeah. And X-23 loves it. And then uh, Choir starts making out with young Jean. And Let then... it burn, baby. He <laughs> really needs some new pickup lines. <laughs> and then we see the uh, Cuckoo Sisters. Turns out this is all in Choir's head. He's really not this badass. Aww. And Cyclops is like, all right, bring him inside. Then we go back to Suck Dynasty fighting the um, young students. I like that ID hits him with a giant ice hammer. Pretty badass. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is Tomorrow Never Learns, Chapter 4 in the Land of the Blind. So we have our students disagreeing. Idy and Rockslide want to uh, protect 
Evan and Hellion, while not agreeing that with Suck Dynasty that they should kill him, doesn't really think he's okay, you know, and he wants to do something about it. Right. And so then uh, Suck Dynasty sends the Bamps to find the boy. So then we go to Storm and Wolverine fighting the uh, sexy Phoenix nuns, as Choir called them. And Wolverine says, this is too easy. You, get out of here and go back and protect the school. I'll take on the old man. And Storm jets out, almost yeah. flying out of her top. <laughs> and he basically says, people only want the Phoenix for one thing, and that's power. Of course. Yep. Excellent. Yep. So Wolverine and Storm mug down. Wolverine says she's the strongest person he knows. And, and she probably kind of is. Anyway, she flies off with a lightning bolt. Then we see Evan, and Evan's in a jail cell inside the world. And he's talking to Phantom X, and he's not happy with Phantom X, but Phantom X freezes him. And basically, Evan thought that Phantom X said, if I come in the world, I won't turn into Apocalypse. But all these people are saying my future is predetermined. I'm mad. I don't understand. And Phantom X is um, going to try to fix things, I guess. He says, uh, at least here in the world, time is on our side because he can control it. So then Armor uh, grabs Suck Dynasty, but it's something I didn't know can happen. Uh, a BAMP teleports in and then teleports her out of her own armor. So that's interesting. Then we have Wolverine crawling through a body of Phoenix goons. And uh, the old man, who's named Young, says, Well, it says, Oh, Logan, after all I've seen in this world, you've no idea how refreshing it is when reality exceeds the tale. You have indeed become all that you pretended to be. And he has a Phoenix blade. I think it's a Phoenix feather, basically. Is that what he says? I don't know. This is where the book lost me. The blade of the Phoenix's wing. Because it also looks like Logan has a phoenix gun. Okay. All right. So, you know Adam Kubert that drew um, Origin 2? Yes. Oh, it was written, duh, written by Jason Aaron. No, anyway, but there's a story where he has a gun with a phoenix bullet. It's kind of the same concept as this boy. It's basically like a tiny piece of the phoenix power, but it's still like the strongest bullet on the planet. Okay. Anyway, so this guy basically says that when he cuts himself, he is reborn. So basically, it's not the phoenix power. It's just a little piece. But it's enough to, like, resurrect him. Like, just to, to let him phoenix himself. So he's going to burn himself up. Well, he's going to cut himself. Yeah, the fire will come out and basically turn him into his younger self again. But he was young and then turned old. Yeah, because I guess it wore off. So was he a conquistador? Yes, he was. Okay. And we find that out later through choir's interpretation. All right, so Phoenix and the Stepford sisters are, I'm not, not Phoenix, Cyclops, and the Stepford sisters are interrogating Quentin Choir psychically, and they see what he saw. Cyclops is like, what mess did Wolverine get you in now? I will admit, I like how what Choir calls the Cuckoo sisters. Oh, yeah, he says, um... Olsen of the corn. Yeah, the Olsons of the corn. That's funny. Yeah, so basically, and then he talks about the guy, Young, Jung's past, he was a conquistador, and he found a crater with this little phoenix knife. And basically, he says, it's just tiny sparks, but it's enough to make him be reborn. So he's basically immortal. And he's naked. Most of the time, yeah. And so basically, Choir kind of wrestles with his conscience about the phoenix and what he should do with Evan. Um, you get a cool t-shirt with a picture of Patch that says Cyclops is right. And then Cyclops, I really like the way Latour writes Cyclops here. He basically talks about the time when he was taken over by Apocalypse 
just part of his power. And then when the phoenix took him over, like all this stuff happened, but it's still his responsibility. Right. But it was kind of, it was like it was out of his control, but it doesn't absolve him completely. And every day is a fight to undo that, to be, to be better than that. His inquirer says, oh wait, there's a part where, where Cyclops says, what is it you want to hear, inquirer? Do you expect me to comfort you? And Quentin goes, do you even have ears? Didn't I just say that? Oh, that was funny. Yeah, then we go back to the, the Jean Grey school and a, a Banff has found the world and Phantom X says, oh, nope, that belongs to me. I gotta say, I know Phantom X kind of always looks like Storm Shadow. With the little mutant X buckle. Yeah, but he's got some black in him and he's got a trench coat. Azrar's Phantom X probably looks especially like Storm Shadow, but I really like his Phantom X. I think he looks nice. badass. So... What do you, speaking of art, what do you think of the art? I, I really love the art on this. I do too. I, I've always liked Ezrar, but I really think he's like hitting a new level on this book. Yeah. I, like he's just four issues in a row, getting a little better each issue and just hitting it more and more out of the park. Yeah, I agree so with I've that. Been really been really enjoying his artwork. And I know we haven't been in love with this story, but... In my opinion, and you can agree or disagree, this issue, the story kind of finally picks up. It does, but I feel like they're throwing tidbits at us. I felt like we got quite a bit in this issue. We found out about Young's mystery, what he's doing, what kind of his motives are, what the, where, why he's old and young. We don't really know exactly what Suck Dynasty's doing. No, and we don't know everything about Evan. No, but I like... That Evan finally gets to address it from his perspective. Right. Which is kind of what I've been saying has been missing. And so I'm really glad to have seen that. I really like the conversation between Cyclops and Quentin Choir. I don't know. I like the action. I, I thought the story kind of turned around for me in this issue. I did like it. I just felt a little lost. The whole explaining the, the Phoenix Blade just sort of, it went over my head a little bit. Okay. But I wasn't entirely sure the first time. By the time we got through Choir's memories, I pretty much grasped it, though. Well, okay, so... It kind of, I thought he kind of spelled it out, but... Possibly. Lack of sleep, you know, is um, <laughs> well, you know, and a factor. That's just the way I read it. Doesn't mean everybody reads it that way. Not the colors. Fantastic. Oh, I thought, yeah. I thought the way it was drawn and colored and everything was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, so what are you going to give Wolverine and the X-Men number four? I'm going to give it five out of six. Yeah, okay, we're going to be the same again. I'm also, again? Yeah, I'm going to give Wolverine and the X-Men number four five out of six claws. I don't really take back what I've said about the first three issues. No. But this issue kind of makes up for all of it, in my opinion. Okay. I feel like the story, I don't know, I feel like maybe this, this team on this book is finally kind of hitting its stride storytelling-wise. Okay. The, the plot overall, the first three issues, I mean, yeah, granted, I wasn't, I'm kind of burnt out on Phoenix stuff, but this kind of just a little piece of the Phoenix, I, it, it, I don't know, it makes it more interesting, just the different levels. Yeah, I wish I knew a little bit more about Phoenix because these little things that they give you about the Phoenix throw me off because I'm still trying to put all the rules together. Ah, uh, there really aren't any rules. Basically, it's supreme power. It destroys and recreates every life over and over again. 
like the phoenix, like from the ashes, right. new life is born. So it's a power of destruction and creation. It's like what's referred to as a cosmic power. So it's like universe spanning. And it was attracted to Jean Grey and the X-Men and pe- different people. Some people fear it. Some people worship it. Some people worship it out of fear. So, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. But anyway, that's, that's kind of nutshell, Phoenix. Okay. All right, cool. Well, let's move on. Moving on. Okay, so moving on to X marks the spot with Amazing X-Men. Number seven. No goats, no glory. No goats? Yep, no goats, no glory. The kind of the kind of pun goat boy that'll set the tone for what kind of issue this is going to be. That's right. The kind of issue I would feed to my goat. (laughs) I'm going to let you read the name since I am. Writer Catherine Eminen, penciler Paco Medina, inker Juan Velasco, colors Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters, VCs, Joe Caramagna. Lasagna. And the the cover is by Chris Anka and Chris Sotomayor. And when I first showed you this comic, you were like, ooh, that's a cool cover. I really liked it. Yeah. I loved having the super friends together. Not the super friends. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well. It's Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I'm sorry. Super friends is Batman, Superman, Hawkman. And that's at the Hall of Justice. Yes. See? Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, it's Firestar, Iceman, and Spider-Man. Woohoo! Back, back together again. I really love how they're drawn, except there's one little thing that distracts. I don't like Firestar's face. I don't like her nose. She's got two little black lines. Like, they forgot how to draw. I think that's just a style. I think they accidentally, like, clicked yeah. off the illustrator pen. Anyway, other than the nostalgia factor, I'm not a huge fan of this cover. <laughs> I do like on this cover how um, the way Firestar versus Iceman, they make an X. Okay, yeah, kind of. And you knew that when Firestar came back, that this at reunion had to happen at some point. Yeah. And so we're at the end. We ended Jason Aaron's run. He's done with X books for now. For now. And uh, our new team has not started yet. I think they start next issue. So this was filler, so we people. Have a, <laughs> yeah, big time. So we have a filling issue. Do we even really need to talk about the plot? Okay, I'll summarize the plot for you right now. Yeah, three sentences. Three sentences. Firestar and Iceman are told to go get snacks for some big game. Yes, involving a goat. When they go out to the car. Yes, involving a goat. When they go out to the car, oops, there's an extra package in their bag. They find a baby. Spider-Man's out to get him because someone took the goat that he'd been hiding for the big game. He was protecting the goat. And so someone took the goat and left the baby. So he's been tracking the baby around. Come to find out, it's an alien baby. Yep. So they swap. He gets the goat back. Alien parents get their, like, 74-year-old looking man baby back. (laughs) And uh, then they go home. Yeah, that's it. So besides a few uh, explosive diaper jokes and... All right, so I'm not going to lie, I... I watched you read most of this, and I heard you laughing. Okay. So I think we may have a very different opinion on this book. No, I can tell you exactly the part that I laughed at, because it was the only part that I laughed at. That's not true. I, I'll show you the part I laughed. There's really. one You laughed a few times. There's one part you laughed really loudly at. Yes, and I, I'll show you the part that I laughed really loudly at. 
They track Spider-Man down with the baby and switch. Yes, the, the exploding diaper. <laughs> the diaper explodes and Iceman's just covered in all these holes and he <laughs> yells out, Whose baby is this? <laughs> and I, I, as a mom, I'm sorry. I've been there, done that. I've literally been yeah. like, what the hell? Things that are yeah. only about two feet long are not supposed to do that. So, um, in the parking lot outside the grocery store, is that the world's smallest raccoon or the world's biggest Oreo? <laughs> I think that's supposed to be the Guardian of the Galaxy. What's his name? <laughs> Rocket Raccoon? I don't, yeah. I don't think so. Well, but, okay, the only reason I bring this up is because... Yes, yeah, he's in the Dr. Pepper ad. And they look yeah. identical. Yeah. There was a part I thought it was kind of cool that the baby's blanket was really his wings. Yeah, that was kind of cool. That was interesting. Um, I do like how they're trying to pick which beer they're going to get for Logan, and they decide <laughs> to get him a one with a fancy name because it will perplex him. No, it'll, uh, when they say, he'll take it personally. Yes. I thought that was funny. So they're in Logan's car, and that's the only Wolverine part is at the end, they bring the car back, and he's like, car's okay, right? And he goes and checks it out, and there's something leaking out of the trunk. Oh, I just I thought think that it's was ice. ice. Yeah, but he opens the trunk. And it's like the explosive diaper. Yeah, I'm assuming. It's not completely clear. Because it ends right there. Yeah. It ends with Wolverine open, opening a trunk of yeah. stinky diapers. So I didn't think this comic was funny. I It annoyed the hell out of me. Okay, I can see that as a guy who has never... Um, I've changed Ethan's diapers before. No, no, no. <laughs> you have never, ever changed... When a kid is moving from breast milk to formula. Now, yeah, whatever. That, that's some nasty shit right there. I'm sure it is. Um, I thought the art was really good. I like Paco Medina. Make the art not as good, then I hate this book. <laughs> I did think the art was pretty good. I just think... <sighs> I do think it's weird that Dupe eats cat food. Whatever, don't even say that name. Um, doop, 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 doop. I feel like, and this is a way they're going to write Firestar than just send her back into obscurity. She's got on my last nerve. And I just didn't think the jokes worked. I just don't understand. I, I get it. Like, it's comic relief. But considering the majority of comic book audience is men. I don't know. I mean, I mean yeah, but not as by wide of a margin. No, it used to be. but I think that's the difference between me and you enjoying this is the difference. In is that it? Being a girl and being mm. a mom and having a kid pee I'm, in your face. I'm I not mean, sure that's it. I don't know. I they Yes, I laughed out loud, especially about the diaper humor. But it's kind of that rule of thumb. If you're comfortable talking about poop, then you're obviously a parent. Well, I am. I'm talking about poop all the time. <laughs> it has nothing to do with this. No, but you find humor in poop. Yes. I don't know. I think it's a difference between a guy and a girl. We'll okay. just leave it at that. I, I don't know if I believe that or not, but that's fine. I think there's a difference in our sense of humor. Maybe. Or it may be that Ethan was sitting next to me and he went, did that baby just fart on him? <laughs> <laughs> that would have made this issue a lot better. Yes. We All should right. tell Marvel that uh, every comic needs to come with Ethan yeah. um, questions. All right. So when are you going to grade Amazing X-Men number seven? I'm only going to give it three out of six. Okay, I'm only going to give it one out of six claws, and that's just for the art. Honestly, this story can be my well, toilet paper. Can I have a little asterisk and a disclosure statement? Disclaimer? Disclaimer, whatever. Disclose her? 
Yes, what thank I, you. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, you so don't my, need to make excuses. It's okay if you... This book was written for somebody. Well, yeah. So somebody has to enjoy it. It's just not me. Yes, but I will say, is it a keeper? Am I hoping that you keep it in your box forever? No. Well, I will. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the claws came from the art. Oh, my, my one claw came only from the art. My two and a half. I do really like, and just want to say again, I do really like Paco Medina. Well, my two and a half claws. I really enjoyed his Spider Man as well. I really yeah. enjoyed the way it was drawn. There are a few things. I don't like how big Firestar's boobs and how disproportionate her boobs are. It looks like she had a boob job. They're standing at attention way too perky. Well, that's how she's been ever since she came back, though. That's how McGinnis drew her, too. Yeah. So, at least it's consistent. Yeah. Anyway, I also don't like her costume. Oh, no, I hate her costume. Always have. Well, no, like, the way he drew her, her costume doesn't have the flames on the arms. They're just, like, gloves. So then it just looks like she's running around in yellow spandex with red gloves. Red kitchen cleaning gloves. Well, anyway, we've spent enough time with this crap. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. All right. So we're going to do an original sin update. We're going to check in on our... uh, Update, update, (laughs) This just in. This just in. Late breaking news. (laughs) Who holds the eye? All right. Well, yeah. Original sin number two of eight is a bomb full of secrets. And it's written by Jason Aaron, artist Mike Diodato. Oh, don't throw an in for no reason. Oh. Yeah, Diodato. Diodato. Or Deodato, maybe. Color artist Frank Martin. Letterer VCs Chris Eliopoulos. Good job. Thank you. And the cover is by Julian Tortino Tedesco. Anyway, this cover... It's pretty cool. It's kind of looks like an old movie poster. It actually reminds me of the carnival posters. Okay, I can see that a little bit. We have Nick Fury in the back. With a bullet target type yeah. circular thing coming yep. out of his head. And then again, the S in Original Sin makes a big shadow like it did on co- the cover number one. Love that. We have a cloaked figure holding a glowing orb. And it says, who holds the eye? And then we I'm got, assuming the orb is an eye. Then we got faces in smoke. We have Iron Man, somebody, Hulk, Nova, Captain America, Luke Cage looking like a, um, what's it called? In the Ninja? Lamp. Genie. Oh. <laughs> Daredevil, Thor, Spider-Man, and The Thing. Who's the, uh, I don't know who the blonde is supposed to be. Maybe it's Sue Storm. Maybe it's Carol Danvers. I think she has a faux hawk right now. I don't know. And the Black Widow, is that red hair? Maybe that's red hair. Is it magic? Oh, I hope not. I'm just but looking at all this, the people yeah, she is on the in this cover. Story. I'm going to say it's Black Widow. All right, I'll it. It doesn't to really you. matter. Anyway, it's a very mysterious cover and sets up a big mystery. All right, so remember somebody killed the Watcher and the heroes are trying to find out who. So that's where we start I off. I shot oh. the Watcher. Oh, but yeah. I did not Damn shoot it. We're Nick supposed Fury. to do that at the beginning. All right, do it again. I shot the Watcher. But I did not shoot Nick Fury. All right, we're going to do an original sin update. Update, update. This just in. <laughs> just kidding, we're not going to do all Late that. Late breaking out. news. <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> Let's speed through it really quick. Written by him. Written by him. All right, I think that catches us up today. We're done being stupid. 
Oh, no, we're not. That's a never-ending process. All right, so remember the heroes have been split into <gasps> random teams that don't make sense and don't go together. Teams that you would not normally see in Marvel Comics, but they're now teams. So one of our teams is Black Panther, Emma Frost, and Ant-Man. And they're investigating somewhere deep within the Earth with the Mole Men people, the Moloids. And they found uh, basically a dumping ground for monster carcasses. That have giant holes in them. So then we go back to New York. We have Wolverine, Spider-Man, and Captain America, and Nick Fury... Chasing a mindless one who's mad because he's not mindless anymore. And there's a female chasing him too, right? Black Widow? Is she oh, chasing? Is that Black Widow back there? Look. No, yeah, she, I see her. I can't tell who it is though. Look, I'll blow her up. Does blow that look it like up. it? Oh, yeah, Black Widow. Good job. Good job, iPad. Good job. Good job. You did what you needed to do. Yep. All right, so anyway, they basically chase this thing down off the Brooklyn Bridge into the water and they make the evening news. Yep. Right? Fury blows up his car. So then we have our lab with an Iron Man in a bathrobe, but his Iron Man helmet. Uh, Weird touch. Yeah. And then Bruce Banner. Uh, oh, his description is not to be made angry. I thought that was funny. Yeah. I think Denise, Iron Denise Man doesn't is like a, the clever. I don't like Iron Man in his bathrobe with, his with Banner on. sitting right next to him. In a fully dressed. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, look. I've slipped into something more comfortable. <laughs> right. Except for my helmet. Yes. That way I can't look well, you in the aw- eye. It's, aw- <laughs> it's awkward if we see if you see my face. <laughs> Sometimes we're uh, we think too much alike. Yes. Anyway, they're trying to do stuff. Anyway, th- then we get to my favorite scene in the book. We have the Punisher schooling Doctor Strange on his own turf. So they're in a weird team up. But they're in some uh, somewhere far beyond the realms of man. In octopus land. Yes, and Doctor Strange has summoned these weird glowing bird creatures that, what's it called? Murder hawks? Murder sniffing birds. Oh, uh, maybe he doesn't call them anything. I thought they had a name. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So they it's lead him. Ancient world beast. Yeah. And they lead him to a carcass of a beast that looks a lot like the ones that were in the, the moloid place in the middle of the earth. Yes. And Doctor Strange is like, let me use magic and spells to figure out what's going on. And Punisher's like, uh, there's a big bullet. Yeah. And it's green. <laughs> and that was awesome. Yes, it is green. Glowing green. Remember that? So we have our mysterious bad guys. They don't want the Avengers to come yet, but the Avengers are here. So they go out to fight them. I don't remember this character. Uh, the Exterminatrix. Stupid name. Probably a dumb character. She's from Basically, the Matrix. Basically, she's in bondage. She's a cross between the Matrix. All right. If you were into bondage and you wanted it Matrix-themed, this is the character for you. So it's Catwoman meets the Matrix. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman yes. meets the Matrix. Yes. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Same wavelength. Yep. Gimp sweeping. Also, a little, little bit of that thrown in. Anyway, she comes charging out, and she's going to fight the Avengers with one of their, her magic guns, but it doesn't really work. Avengers take quick care of her. And we see, uh-oh, there's a weird thing with a glowing blue head. Like, his cracks look like they're about to explode. And we still have our guy. Now we know the bad guy is a guy with a hood. Which, you know... And a white metal loincloth. No, all right, so he's got a white hood on. With Wait. holes. Old-fashioned ghost. Oh, no, but... Okay. 
keep that in mind. Okay. Because I thought that too. I thought it was just the cuts. Okay. That he had holes in his sheet like an old Scooby-Doo ghost. Right. Anyway, he comes outside to, to think his partner had taken care of the heroes, but turns out she's captured. And he's like, oh boy. And so he's going to blow up. They notice he has the watcher's eyeball. And it starts glowing. And he says it's a bomb. A bomb full of secrets. And he pulls off his sheet, which does not have two eye holes. It has one. one. This whole time. I thought really it was just a matter of perspective. And we only saw one at a time. I did too. But he only has one sheet because he only has one big eye. It's the orb. Which, randomly, this is our second callback to Astonishing Wolverine and Spider-Man. Because the orb is a villain they fought in that story. Also written by Jason Aaron, by the way. So apparently Jason Aaron has a thing for the orb. And it says the orb, Z-list supervillain with an eyeball for a head. Yes, the man man who just just changed changed the the world. world. And the stupidest villain I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, We'll see. Jury's out. He is definitely Z-list. So I guess the eyeball is... Z-list? Z-list, you know, like you have an A-list celebrity. Okay, so he's like... Z-list mean like bottom of the ladder. Yeah, that's because you know what he's doing? He's knocking up grocery stores for um, Visine. Yes. (laughs) Good one. Anyway, that was a little on the nose that the guy with the giant eyeball is the one who wants to watch his eye. But it is kind of cool that like maybe he has a special connection with it. And he's the one that can like... That's why he's talking to it and coddling it. It's his missing brother. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, apparently the bomb, like the title of the chapter, Bomb Full of Secrets, is everything the Watcher's ever seen is going to be exploded slash exposed. Wikipedia for your brain. Right. Well, first, what do you think of the art? Eh. Really? I love this. I think the art's fantastic, especially the big pages where there's lots of heroes. Like for the the Avengers... Okay, the heroes so, are surrounding the bad guy's penthouse. That's an awesome Okay, panel. yeah. The basic layout when it's, you know, big panel, little panels. But they get really carried away with, like, all these squiggly panels that interlock. And it well, just... besides the Doctor Strange land. Okay. This part when Nick Fury, like, it fits the action, I think. It So this sh- part does. And this part does. Yeah. But, like, with Iron Man, because you've got two panels up top, you've got this little skinny... It's a full page spread, but then you've got all these panels at the bottom and all these words on top of it. It's like, I don't know how to read this thing. Then you flip over to the squiggly panels with Doctor Strange and you have two pages of the squiggly panels. Then you've got this page that's crooked with lines running through it. (laughs) Then you have an upper panel and that is too much. I think it gives a good sense of motion to the story. And then you have this one with all these panels. There's one panel with all the heroes when the eye. The orb comes out with not thing. That's an amazing panel. No, I like that. I just, maybe there was just a lot of verbiage. And so it distracted from the beauty of the art. Right. Well, I thought the art was really good. And the coloring, oh my gosh, Frank Martin, who did an awesome job on Origin 2, is doing another awesome job in this book. Colors are fantastic, I think. Yeah. And I was confused because like in one panel, it looks like the dominatrix chick is dead. But then when you turn oh, the page... Just, they just beat her down. They didn't kill her. They're yeah. heroes, man. They don't kill. No, I know. But look at her pose. It's Oh, she's broken, but she's not dead. Yeah. So story, I thought the story was pretty good. Um, I'm wondering who this not thing is. I'm, I'm really curious what 
I mean, the whole point of this series is going to kind of be what secrets does the eye hold? What, what, when it comes out, how's it going to affect everybody? I will say, all right, so the series is kind of billed as a murder mystery. Right. And we've had these first two covers, which really fit that vibe. Right. Really like, like you said, old school carnival, almost Hitchcockian to a degree. Yes. And it kind of sets up and makes me excited. Not that I'm not liking the story. I feel like the covers and the premise are setting up almost like this noirish yes murder mystery and that's not what we're getting. No. At all. No. It's not what we're getting isn't bad, but it's not fitting what what we're expecting. No. From the covers, I think. Cuz the covers just have this really cool like, I don't know how to explain it really, but Dracula-esque yeah, werewolf, like, the mummy. Right. And cross of like, you know, Maltese Falcon, right. Hitchcock stuff. Like, I don't know. There's just this really cool vibe to the covers. I guess, like, there's there's mysteries in the sense that we don't we don't know exactly how the murder went down. We don't know what the eyeball holds, and we don't know who Not Thing is. But there's really not been this, like, big detective story to figure out who the murderer was. No. Which, I guess, is fine. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't let my preconceived notions affect the story, but it's just... It's weird how I feel like the covers want me to have that and then I don't get it. No, I was just going to say, I kind of feel like there's so much going on. Like they found the Watcher, but there's no clues that they're following other than these green things or the the Cyclops looking monsters. <laughs> the mindless ones. Right. That aren't mindless anymore. Right. They've been awoken. Running around. And they don't like it. That's the only thing that that they're doing right now. So there's no true detective work. And I guess well, that's the part that bothers me. We get a me. glimpse of there could be detective work. We have, you know, the Black Panther team. But what made him the go year. down there? There was no clue to make him go down there. It wasn't like, oh, in the Watcher, someone dropped a business card with, you know, right. Ginger's name on it. And yeah. Ginger lives in the center of the earth. And they that's start true. following that trail. It's just they're randomly there. So... Yeah. That to me is, it's just weird. It's like someone's dead and yet we magically find out we're on the trail. Fair enough. So when are you going to grade original sin number two? I'll give it four out of six. I'll also give it four out of six. I feel like it was better than one, but not really knocking my socks off yet. I'm definitely interested. Right. But I'm really more, it's really more of a, I'm interested in what I feel like might be coming than I am what, what's actually happening at this point. I kind of agree with you. All right, cool. We'll check back in next time. All right, moving on. Yep. I shot the watcher. Oh, yeah. Sing us out, babe. I shot the watcher. Key change, wow. (laughs) But I did not shoot Nick Fury. Okay, so we're also going to check in on our Uncanny Avengers. Rick Remender's opus he's doing right now. This is Avenge the Earth Part 3, part of his greater... Apocalypse Twin Story. Of course, like I said, it's written by Rick Remender. Art, Daniel Acuna. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Daniel Acuna. And it has Kang in the background. Doom 2099, Thor, Iron Man, Somebody, Havoc, Wasp, Wolverine, Earth X, Spider Girl, Sunfire, and in the centerpiece, I think I already said Thor, but he's in the, kind of in the middle. And Wolverine's kind of jumping out. He has really bushy armpit hair, which... Makes sense, but don't know why you have to have the need to draw it that way. <laughs> Actually, his armpit hair looks like the uh, the demon smoke on Supernatural. So remember, we're on Planet X, 
in the future. Uh, the Apocalypse Twins, in an effort to defeat their father, Kang, destroyed the or had the Earth destroyed, but took all the mutants to a new planet. But Havoc's trying to get back to the old Earth and reset everything back the way it was. And he, Kang has had an interdimensional time bandit army that he's going to try to send the uh, psyches of the Uncanny Avengers back in time before the Earth was destroyed so they can redo things and prevent all this destruction. And Kang's doing it selfishly so he can try to have the Earth for himself again, like he is always doing. Magneto and Cyclops have tracked down Havoc to kill him, but Cyclops isn't going to let him. Psylocke fights Psylocke. Cable fights Strife. Cyclops shoots Magneto, has a bonding moment with his brother. Thor takes down, is it Iman? Iman the girl? Yeah, uh, he's taking her out. Dawkins tries to take out May Parker. She calls him, Hey, looky here, Blueberry Wolverine is back for more. Of course, Dawkins is now a horseman of death because he was dead. He has like glowing blue Tron skin. So she makes fun of him. Kang prevents Thor from killing Iman and says they have to let Wolverine and Sunfire go. They've been being tortured for years. Kang and his daughter argue, and Dawkins shows up, says he's going to kill Kang. Now oh, Dawkins says, you're not the enemy, freak, and we're going to know. I am. And we have Wolverine all burnt up and tortured. You can see his adamantium skeleton showing through most of his skin, or some of his skin. And he's naked. He cuts out a big slice of a Dawkins' ribs, and they fight. And he's, Wolverine says, you're a rotten monster. Did the right thing killing you. Right thing putting you down. But I ain't going to do it again. And he lets him go. After he's, of course, taking him out. Fires, or Sunfire is burning up Banshee. And Banshee says, I couldn't help it. Apocalypse took me over. You've been a horseman before. You know you can't control it. Wolverine says he's right. Let him go. So Kang and his army are set free. They're going to go, um, really, basically send everybody back. And so Wasp gets mad. Doesn't want to fight on Kang's side. Uh, Sunfire says, I'm not going to do it. Wolverine knocks him out. Says, who understand when it's done? And Thor basically says, we screwed up. We were divided and not unified and we cannot win the battle. Now we have to go back and we have to fight as one. And so they all get Psylocke, telepathic butterflies. And the butterflies are floated away by Doctor Doom's sorcery and Kang's time powers. And away they go. Butterflies flying through the time stream. We'll find out if it works or not next issue. So, like I said, Acuna's art really fits this storyline. Reminder has been writing a very good, if not complex, story. Um, I'm going to give Uncanny Avengers 20, 4 out of 6 claws. I thought it was really good. I feel like I'm a little bit ready for this story to kind of wrap up. Oh, I do want to point out one thing. Wolverine said if Kang didn't send them back before Rogue died, he would sabotage the mission. All right, cool. Anyway, so that's going to do it for episode 90. We did an outro and something happened to it. It got corrupted, so I'm going to do a new one while Denise is out running. Training for her marathon. So speaking of which, in October, she's running a marathon. And, um... If you feel so inclined to donate, we would greatly appreciate it, but no one should feel like they need to. But as always, from pretty much now until October, there's a link in the uh, show notes on the webpage. And that webpage, see that's a segue right there, is uh, snickcast.podbean.com. Um, you can also leave an iTunes review, you can like the Facebook page, Twitter, we're at snickcast. Email snickcast at yahoo.com. I think that about covers it. Um, yeah, so 
Our son had like the worst stomach virus ever, so we were not able to go see uh, the new X-Men movie as planned. But hopefully by the time the first June episode comes out, we'll have had that under our belt so we can talk about it. And of course, Cameron's already seen it, so next time we do a flashback together, uh, I'll talk about it with him as well. So we will discuss the movie, Wolverine's in it, obviously. So whenever whenever we get a chance to do that, we will. But um, that's going to wrap up this one. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.